When I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. By a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, God forbid, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible study continues in Romans chapter 10, verse 19, and from therein to chapter 11. As Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he now brings out the fact that God, through Moses, made mention of the fact that he would be saving Gentiles. The law of Moses and the writings of the prophets wrote that the Gentiles would believe even though they were not actively seeking God. So if God is saving Gentiles, does this mean he has rejected his people, Israel? No, not at all, not in the least. Even though Israel has rejected a free salvation and a universal salvation, God has still not rejected them, his people, Israel. And Dr. Mitchell states that their rejection is not yet total or final. God is not through with his people yet, and God will yet deal with the nation of Israel, and we will find out more about that later in this chapter. Well, turn with us in your Bible to Romans chapter 10, verse 19. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Again, we pick up our studies again on the book of Romans chapter 10. And to me, it's been a very, very satisfying thing to think again through these wonderful chapters of the mercy of God, the tenderness of God, the grace of God, and how God yearns over men and women. You know, I sometimes think that we Christians have missed something in realizing the tremendous yearning that God has over men and women. God still loves men and women. He still loves even those who are not Christians. The Lord is still loving men and women. 
is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slack, is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. As Timothy says, it's a desire of the Lord that all men should be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it's pleased God to use men to disseminate the wonderful good news concerning his son. We've been dealing with that in chapter 10, where we took up the fact that in the first 11 verses, where it speaks of the fact that we have a, a personal salvation, which the Jews rejected. Again, let me break up the argument in that. In chapter 9, Israel was chosen as a nation separate from the nations to do a job for God, and they didn't do it. In chapter 10, God now is dealing with the individual, whether Jew or Gentile, and it's a personal salvation. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth and confession is made unto salvation. Then he talks in verse 12 down through, it's a universal salvation. That is, it's for everybody. And this is right. If God is righteous, it has to be that way. His very character declares it. His promises declare it. His servants declare it. So when we come down to, to verses 19 to 21, the last three verses of the chapter, you find there's no excuse for Israel. I repeat, the character of God, they should have known this, that God was not only the God of the Jews, but he was also the God of the Gentiles. They believed there was only one God, but they didn't want the Gentiles to come under the blessing of God. Strange about that, isn't it? Human nature is a strange thing. You want things for yourself, but not for anybody else. This was the attitude. So Israel was, was, was cast away under the discipline of God for over 1,900 years. It's been in bondage. It's been scattered over the face of the earth. And if I might, if I were to go into the field of prophecy, I'd point out we must be coming to the very end of this age as we see the regathering of the people of Israel to their old land under the blessing of God. But let's go down to chapter 10 of Romans, in the last three verses. But Isaiah, verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, God forbid, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Let me go back to chapter 10 now. There's absolutely no excuse for Israel because they were not ignorant. Neither are you, my friend. Neither are you. If the Gentiles in their heathendom discovered the wonderful truth of righteousness by faith, there is no excuse for Israel who had the word of God. And if there are people 
Come and you know the Savior in Africa, Southeast Asia, South America, different parts of the world, what we would call the pagan world, have come to know the Savior. There's no excuse for us in America who have heard the name of Jesus all our lifetime, even whether we're saved or whether we're not saved. Whether we were raised in a Christian family or not, we knew, we heard about the Savior. We knew about a Bible. We knew something. And the very fact that these men and women in pagan countries have come to know the Savior, what a rebuke to those in this land in their arrogancy of turned away from Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're in the same position as Israel. Did not Israel know? Of course she knew. But Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. In other words, Moses was saying, way back Moses, 1500 years B.C., Moses, the great lawgiver, said, I'm going to provoke you to jealousy by a people who are not my people. In fact, the very fact that Gentiles were coming under the blessing of God should have stirred Israel to jealousy to seek their God and be obedient to their God. We'll see more of that in chapter 11. But Moses, way back yonder, 1,500 years B.C., declared that God would use others who were not Israelites and proclaim the goodness and mercy of God. And then Isaiah is very bold. Verse 20, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. And Isaiah is saying the same thing that God declared that he would save Gentiles. And hence, there was no excuse for Israel because they knew it. So why should they get mad at Paul, who is going out among the Gentiles and preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ? Why should they be envious of Paul? Why seek to persecute him when their own scriptures declared that God would speak to them through other nations, as you have in Isaiah chapter 28? I say again, Israel knew that God would deal with the Gentiles. You find that, if I may quote those verses from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21, where Moses spoke, Isaiah 65, 1, where Isaiah speaks of the fact that I was found of them that sought me not, and so on. He was found by those not seeking him. Well, what did they do? They just heard the word of God and believed. The word of God came to them, they weren't even seeking God. And the word of God came to them and they believed and were saved that justification by faith. But Israel heard but would not obey. They neglected the word of God. They refused to, be, to believe. They were stiff-necked. And by the way, unbelief has characterized their history right from the day they left Egypt right on down through. You remember in the book of Numbers, God says, Ten times, ten times they've murmured against me. They're a stiff-necked people. And he said to Moses, I won't have any more to do with them. And Moses, you remember, pleaded with God, interceded on their behalf, and God manifested mercy. And yet when I come to this last verse, it just breaks your heart when you think of it. Gentiles who didn't seek him, they accepted him. Israel, who had the word of God, were indifferent to him, full of unbelief. They wanted their own way. 
what did God say? But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and again saying people. This people that I took out from among the nations of the earth, when I numbered the nations, I numbered them according to the numbers of the tribe of Israel. And if you obey me, said the Lord in Exodus 19, you'll be a peculiar treasure in, for me in the whole world. All the blessings, the mercy, the love he poured upon them. And they never turned to him. They became colder and colder. You started the book of Judges. Oh, you take the book of Joshua when they entered the land after captivity. What happened? God gave them victories. By the time you come to the beginning of the book of Judges, they're fighting their enemies, but they're coldly indifferent to God. And the last half of the book, they're fighting among themselves, and idolatry comes in. And you find all down through their history, unbelief, unbelief. In fact, they were so indifferent to God, they didn't care whether God believed them whether God had anything for them, they didn't care anything about God. That's why God said with a broken heart to Jeremiah, Oh, if I could only find one just man in the city, I will save the city for the one man's sake. How God yearned over Israel. My, how he loved them. How he yearned over them. Why? What broke his heart? They rejected a free salvation in verses 1 to 11. And they rejected a universal salvation in the last half of the chapter. Now the question is raised. Has God cast away his people? Has God cast away his people? Having rejected a free salvation and rejected a universal salvation, and God is still yearning over this unbelieving, gainsaying people, is God through with Israel? Does she have any hope in the future? Yes, yes. And chapter 11 tells us that the time is going to come when God will confirm his promises to Israel. And so in this chapter 11, you find God is righteous in his future dealings with Israel in the fulfillment of promise of prophecy. The bringing in of the Gentiles, the building of the church of Christ, does not alter the promises of God to Israel. Their rejection by God is neither total or final. Now, I am not saying that God won't deal with them. In fact, when we come to this 11th chapter of Romans, this amazing chapter, we're going to find what God's going to do with them. And I'll leave that until we get there. But I want, first of all, the great question is raised. Is God through with Israel? Now, at the end of chapter 9, what the Gentiles received by simple faith, the Jews missed by his works. In chapter 10, they rejected a personal, free salvation. They rejected a universal salvation. Is God through with them? No. With stretched out hands, he's reaching out onto a disobedient and gainsaying people, which is, raises the question, I say then hath God cast away his people? God forbid. But I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. 
Now, let me just stop here for a moment. The first 10 verses of this 11th chapter deals with the fact that God hath not cast away his people. You see, their attitude was this. Well, what's the use? He's cast us off and we're done for, and it's no use at all. Paul says, God forbid, because Paul himself was a living proof that God had not cast them off. He was a real Jew. And you remember in the early church, there were thousands of believing Jews who accepted a personal salvation. But the nation as such didn't want it. And God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Now, if you want to follow this through, I would suggest the book of Amos chapter 3, the first two verses. Amos chapter 3, 1 to 2. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. 1 Samuel 12, 22. I give you these, these scriptures for the fact that God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew. You see, the essence of Judaism is separation from the nations. But to the church, we are told to go into all the world, go to all the nations with the word of God. What I'm trying to do there is to show the difference. Israel was chosen to be a witness to the nations. The very essence of Judaism is separation from the nations. But the church is just the opposite. We are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature to make disciples of all men. I've already quoted to you from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You take it in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 20. One could multiply the passage like Luke, chapter 24, at the end of the chapter, where he calls us to be witnesses to the nations. But Israel was called of God as a nation. And their very stand of separation was to fit them to do this job, to, to be different from all the idolatrous, corrupt, sinful nations of the earth. They're to be God's people in the midst of moral corruption, to be a witness for God, that the Gentiles might come to know God. As I've said before, and I say it again, they, they, in their unbelief, they didn't do their job. God cast them away. Now, is this casting away of Israel? Is this forever? It might be well for me to stop right here and say a word because there are those who teach that God is through with the nation Israel, that Israel has had its chance, it's lost its chance, it's in unbelief, God's through with Israel, and that God now is using the church. And sometimes they take the very promises of God concerning the restoration of Israel and apply it to the church. Listen, friend, the church and Israel are two entirely different companies of people. Israel is never the church. The church is never Israel, not even spiritual Israel. We'll see that as we go down through the passage. But I want to get this clear to your mind. You and I are living in, in very, very wonderful days. Because we're seeing today is something that men 25, 30 years ago wouldn't believe. I remember 40 years ago here in Portland, uh, preaching on the, on the fact that God would restore Israel as a nation to our own land. 
under the blessing of God after the rebels are purged out, that they would be God's witnesses to the nations of the earth. And I was told very, very clearly and without any hesitation that it's absolutely wrong that God was through with Israel. Friend, would you believe that we've had a nation called Israel for the first time free from Gentile domination since about 500 years B.C.? I, I know it's a remnant that's just there. But God is going to fulfill his promises that he's promised to the nation Israel. Even though they've been under the chastening hand of God for over 1,900 years, nevertheless, God is going to do a real job with the nation Israel. Now, Paul goes on, and he speaks of the fact that God hath not cast away his people whom we found you. And he starts in from verse 2 and reading down through to verse 6. In fact, you go on down through to verse 10, and you'll find here that he uses Elijah as a picture of what he went through and of what God saw and what Elijah saw. And we'll take it up in our next lesson. I want more time on it. I want you to see that today God is doing something, and that is he's gathering out individuals, Jews or Gentiles, and he's calling them to himself, knitting them together in his Son, Jesus Christ, and making them what is known as the church. Now, you find this in Acts chapter 15, where we read that Peter hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name, after this, when the job of completing the church is done, I will return, and I'll build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. That's the restoration of Israel. I'll build up the ruins thereof. What for? That the rest of Gentiles might be brought to Jesus Christ. This is going to be their job in the tribulation and in the millennium. God is going to reveal himself through Israel in that day. I'm going to leave that with you. Will you please read Romans chapter 11 over and over again? I want you to get something of the marvel of this. Oh, what a, how the purpose of God. In fact, when we come to the end of chapter 11, we've got to say with Paul, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So read that 11th chapter. And friend, am I talking to you today? And what I have said possibly is over your head, I don't know. But I know one thing, God today is still dealing in mercy and in grace. And if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God today is waiting, yearning, wanting you to accept Jesus Christ, his Son, as your Savior. And the good news is that he came for the express purpose of putting away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. So why not accept him today and be saved? Say, my strength indeed is small. 
Jesus, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus, paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.